Ready to dominate at the plate? Blast Baseball is trusted by more major league and college teams than any other hitting solution. The Blast sensor attaches to the knob of any bat, providing real-time feedback with every swing. Go to BlastMotion.com and enter code NOWD1 at checkout to save $25. All right, everybody. It is 9 o'clock. Let's get right into it. We do this show every Monday through Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern on X Spaces. I'm Alan Gay, and this is Now D1 Speaks. Man, I got to tell you, I am really excited about tonight. We got a special show. We're not going to be talking to an uncommitted baseball prospect. We're going to be talking to a head baseball coach. I think it's going to be a ton of fun. We're going to learn a lot. We're going to hear about a ton of history. And I think that uh, any prospect that's listening is going to get a good idea of what it takes to really excel at the next level. We've got Coach Reardon with us. He is the head baseball coach at Queens College. Hey, Coach, are you there? I'm here, Al. Hey, man, I am so happy you're here. I think we are going to absolutely have a great time tonight. Why don't you kind of just kick it off and just give us a little introduction of who you are and what all you've been doing here for the last, I don't know, decade or so. Well, my name's Chris Reardon. I'm the head coach at Queens College in uh, New York City. Uh, we are a Division II institution. I've actually been here now for the past 10 years. I'm going into my 11th season. Um it's been an incredible uh, journey. It's been an incredible experience to coach at my alma mater. I graduated from Queens College in 1998 and uh, had a great experience as a, as a student athlete at Queens College and did some things after graduating, uh, became a head coach at the age of 26 uh, at Caldwell College in New Jersey, which was a uh, NAIA school at the time, converting to uh, transitioning to a D2 uh, program, but it's been a great experience overall. Uh, I wouldn't trade anything I've done, you know, in for, the, for anything in the world. Um, do, getting a chance to coach college athletes is a privilege and it's something that it's just the most, one of the most rewarding things in my life. Man, what a great introduction. I cannot wait for tonight. I tell you what, what a dream come true, man. You're all mamata and you're just a kid. You're just a baby, man. You graduated in 1998. I love it. My first daughter. Hey, my daughter was born in 1998. You know what I mean? And now, now here she has been married a couple of years and, and, and has had our first grandchild. You're just a kid, dude. I love it. Absolutely love it. So let me ask you something here, coach. You know, hey, 10 years, Queen College. Obviously, Queen College means the world to you. But just kind of kind of walk through a little bit of your career here after you, after you got out of school, just talk about some of your really, your big high, you know, your big highlights and milestones throughout your career. Well, playing in 1998 on the Queens college uh, baseball team, we won uh, the conference championship, which at that time was the first conference championship uh, in the division two era for that school. And uh, went on to the regionals, which was a great experience. Um, I knew really before that, uh, even earlier before college, that I wanted to go into coaching. And for me, since I had played college baseball at a high, pretty high level, that was the logical choice to go into coaching, you know, baseball, uh, preferably at the college level. So um, one of my early, really my first experience coaching at the collegiate level was a junior college, Nassau Community College in Long Island. And uh 
I was able to then advance to St. John's University, which was the Division I university as a volunteer assistant. Um, this was all within the span of a year. And after that year, I became uh, the head coach at Caldwell College in New Jersey. Um, and I was there for eight, year, eight, eight years. Um, and then in between, there was about a three, four-year period where I was not coaching college. Uh, I was doing some summertime uh, AAU-style stuff with uh, baseball coaching and uh, doing um, – I was coaching at a high school, actually, in New Jersey. So when I got the Queens College job, um, it was really something I wanted to do for quite some time. But the logistics of it for me personally uh, weren't quite in place for me to take the job until 2014. So when that when it opened up at that point, um, I was in a better place and I was able to take the job. And I don't have to tell anyone who's listening, uh, you know, coaching does not pay a whole lot, right? So there's a select few places in the world, in the country, where you can, you know, make a really good living, right? But that's why, in the end, we don't do this for the money. We do it for the love. And for me to go back to my alma mater, Queens College, was really one of the best things that ever happened to me. Um, and I ended up meeting my wife in 2014, the year I took the Queens College job. So a lot of great things happened uh, for me when I took the Queens College job. No doubt, man. Congratulations. The biggest thing was meeting your wife. I love that, the way it kind of coincides. 2014, hey, you meet your wife, and also you have the opportunity to come back and start coaching Queens College. So let me ask you about 1998. I mean, that's your senior year. You're wrapping things up. You have an opportunity to win a conference championship, and guess what? You do. So Talk to us just a little bit about your playing career while you were at Queens College. You know, what positions did you play and what were your real strengths while you were there? I came from New Mexico Junior College as a pitcher. And when I went to Queens College, I did have a desire to do both, you know, be a dual player. Um it didn't work out and that's, it is what it is. So I ended up, I'm a left-hander. I ended up pitching and I was a starting pitcher at Queens college. Um, ultimately I was an all conference type player. You know, I got that uh, award in 1998. Um, the most, the, the greatest thing about being on the Queens college team was the talent uh, and the coaching. We had great coaches. We had extraordinary talent. We had three players drafted by major league teams in 1998 uh, for, for a division two school. That's pretty, pretty impressive. Um, the talent level on the, the two years I was at Queens College in 97 and 98, the talent level was uh, pretty high. Um, and when you're playing with talented players and you feel like you're putting everything that you have into your craft and, and becoming the best that you can be, uh, that's, it's, it's, it's a real uh, rewarding experience. I can only imagine. No question about it. And, hey, let's talk about another rewarding experience. Talk to us about last year. I mean, 2023 was a phenomenal year for Queens College. So, uh, you know, kind of walk through what your record was, the achievements that kind of went along with that, how you guys were, re were rewarded, and then ultimately, you know, kind of using last year as a stepping stone. What do you think that really means for the program? Well, it, it, good things for sure, Alan. Um, 
we were 34 and 19, our final record. Uh, we had started off the season, um, basically the finishing the 2022 campaign, losing in the conference final. So we had gotten to the conference final, uh, and, and we were in the winner's bracket actually. So we had to be beaten mm. twice in the same day in 2022. And we were, we were beaten by the number one seed. They beat us twice in the same day. Um, Fast forward to 2023, we knew we had a good group. We knew we had a, a really talented group of guys. Um, we we really felt like as a coaching staff, collectively, um, myself and my assistant coaches, that we addressed the areas that we needed to in order to go further, you know, in order to win the conference championship. Um, we brought in some really good defensive players and some big bats. And when it came down to it, and we had to um, – we made the conference playoffs, and uh, we ended up losing our second game. So now, in order for us to win the conference tournament, we had to win two games hmm. on the same day. And and fortunately for us, um, we, we ended up having to beat the team that beat us last year, and they were the number one seed again. And this time, we were victorious, and we beat them twice on the same day. And this is after losing to them probably – I get. I think eleven out of the twelve times we had played them previously. So it was. It was. But what makes it even more special, Alan, was the semifinal game. We were down thirteen to seven uh, to Mercy College. We were down thirteen to seven in the eighth inning. So I was coaching third base and pretty much thinking about the things that I was going mm. to say to the graduating seniors at that point. Um, mm. And something magical happened. One guy after the other started to put together great at bats, and we got staged a comeback. And it wasn't—that's not something that was unusual for this team throughout the year. We had uh, some some great comebacks from some uh, really big deficits, and this was a very very tough, resilient group of guys that we had just coached in 2023, and. Coming back from seven runs down in a semifinal game, coming, waking up the next day, uh, having to face the number one seed. Already, we had lost to them in the playoff round. That was the one loss that we had. Um, to have to beat them twice in the same day, uh, just it was how I feel about these kids and how they feel about each other. There's no feeling that can describe uh, the feeling of togetherness, the, the brotherhood, the, the just just the way these guys feel about each other. And they'll have this feeling for the rest of their life, Alan. And this is how I felt in 98. And this is why, uh, this is what I always wanted for these guys. I always wanted them to have the experience that I had because I knew how special it was. Um, but from a coaching standpoint, I've been in championship games. We've won championships before, uh, not at Queens, but in you know, previous schools and, 10 years in the making, this was by far one of the greatest experiences of my coaching career and my life. I got to tell you, man, I wish I had some eligibility left. I am so ready to play for you right now. It's just I'm losing my mind, man. I can just feel the passion. And I can also feel the heartache, too. I think the reality of you guys down seven runs and you're sitting here thinking, what am I going to say to these guys? I love these guys. The year that you've had, what you've come back through, the expectation, I mean, I don't want to say you knew it was over, but you're sitting here thinking, oh, my word, what am I really going to say to these guys? And then to come back and to win and turn the tables 
and win two from the team that beat you twice the year before. I mean, you got to love baseball. I mean, you just have to love baseball. I mean, it's just, you know, it, it sounds cliche. People say it's always so romantic and all this stuff, but you just got to love it, man. There's so many life lessons that are in there. And, you know, I love the brotherhood piece. And these are guys that will, hey, man, they're going to be attending each other's weddings. They'll go to, they'll when their kids are born, they're going to be godparents. And, man, you know, they'll be getting together for reunions after 10 years, 20 years, whatever it is. I mean, you're nailing it. I mean, this is big time stuff. This is, you always hear, you know, when you're talking to kids, you're thinking, all right, you're not making a four-year decision. You're truly making a 40-year decision. And anybody that's listening tonight and you just heard what Coach Reardon was talking about, that's a 40-year decision. That's what that 40-year decision is all about. I think that's so cool. I love it. Thank you for describing that. And then let me ask you something. I mean, hey, man, y'all have had two back-to-back really – unbelievably awesome years. I mean, if you were the two seed in 22 and then you had a phenomenal year in 23, what's the expectation for this year? What are you thinking? Uh, <laughs> big things, Alan. Uh, we, we have a really good group of guys. And uh, although we lost some key players and some, some big time uh, contributors, um, our coaches did an outstanding job getting out there and using all their connections and resources to we've, we've brought in 20 new players. Um, and today was actually our first workout, our first team workout. And to be able to watch these guys work out, it's early, but there's some good talent out there. It's a well-rounded team. Um, there's not a lot of, at least from what I can you know see right now, there's not a lot of like weaknesses. Um, I think this could be the most well-rounded team that I've coached at Queens College and maybe ever. So the expectations are not only to do uh, as well as we did last year, but to uh, find a way to break through further and, and to, you know, advance in a regional and get to a super regional and, and perhaps, you know, win that and get to a world series. And those are, it's great having good years, right? It's great having great years because now you can just keep raising the expectations. You can keep raising the bar and you want to bring people in to, to, you want to bring better players in every year. And that's the job of the head coach and the coaching staff. That's our job. We have to bring in better players, better people, Right that are going to mesh well with what we're already doing and find and, and find ways, you know, from a personality standpoint, from a performance standpoint, how are they going to contribute and make us even better? Um, so I'm super excited to see, you know, these guys uh, work out all fall. And then, uh, you know, that's where you, you, you lay the groundwork down in the fall. You, you, you try to figure out uh, what you're, you know, what you're going to be, you know, the, the makeup of the team. And then uh, you, you kind of hit that weight room and, and hit it hard over the wintertime. And that will lead us into the, you know, into the spring when we start up in January. Man, this is good stuff. Congratulations. I'm so happy for you. And I got to tell you, everyone that's getting in this evening, Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for supporting uh, Now D1 Speaks. Thank you for supporting Coach Reardon. Uh, we record this space, so if you did get in late, don't worry about it. We're going to we're going to be able to retweet it out later in its entirety. And again, we're talking with Coach Reardon. He's the uh, he is the head baseball coach at Queens College. He's been there for ten years, and he's got a special story. 
and we're very, very fortunate that he has uh, agreed to spend a little bit of time with us this evening. So, hey, so let me ask you something. I, I love what you were just saying, kind of projecting out what it may look like this year and, and to win a regional, get to a super regional, and then, you know, ultimately end up in the World Series. Hey, you, you've had an opportunity, you know, with Queens College to win a regional game. What, what's the you know, what's the attitude, what's the feeling, what's the difference, or is there a real difference once you get into the NCAA tournament as opposed to just the regular season and the conference tournaments? Well, Division II is regionalized, so a lot of times when you go to a regional, you'll see, you'll see familiar teams that you've perhaps even played during the course of the year. Um, we weren't – there was no phase – that's one thing I can say about this team and even the other teams I've coached in the past. Like you get to the conference, the conference playoff is tough. Uh, you play these guys four times during a year. You play them annually. You play them every year. The conference playoff is tough. Uh, you get to the regional. It's, it's, it's a, it's a similar weekend type format. Uh, there's more bells and whistles, obviously at an NCAA regional, which makes it extra cool for the players. Um, and we were treated like Kings mm-hmm. down in, uh, Newark, Delaware. Goldie Beacom did an outstanding job, uh, hosting the, uh, the regional, uh, at university of Delaware. So our kids got treated extra special. They had a great experience. Um, but we played, they played their tails off. We played well in that regional. We had that first game against Lemoyne. Uh, we had the lead seven, four into the sixth or seventh inning. We had the lead in the eighth inning, uh, seven, six. We, we let it slip through our fingertips. Um, but then these guys woke up the next day in the loser's bracket and found a way to beat a tough team, uh, to get our first regional win in Queens college history, really because it, since the division two era. So, uh, I was so impressed, so proud of these guys. Um, they didn't, uh, get down, you know, after the loss, they found a way to come back and, and pull out a win. And, um, I'm going to be honest with you. We were, we were, especially pitching wise, we were running on fumes. Um, we had gotten a lot out of our guys at the end in the conference finals. Um, we had outstanding performances from uh, a couple individuals who came back basically the next day to pitch after one of our starting pitchers got hit with a line drive in his ankle, um, looked like he was going to have to go to the hospital. And the next day he says, coach, I want to pitch. <laughs> I want to. I want to pitch. I want to, you know, start the game. And he ended up starting the championship game and and won for us, uh, Jordan Santabria. And he's the pitcher that won in the regional. So um, you got kids with tremendous heart and tremendous moxie and just uh, they they have the ability, right? But a lot of kids have the ability, but can they can they muster it up at the right time? Can they can they get the big hit? Can they make the pitch? Can they make that play with two outs in second and third? Uh, and, and keep those runs from scoring. So these are, you know, when you start winning 34, uh, four, you know, you, are, you get up there into the high 30s, 40 games, uh, you've you got special kids on your team. No question, man. I love what you were just hitting, the ability to muster up that next thing. And what a great description just kind of walking through with the starting pitcher. I got to ask you, Coach, I mean, you've had, you've had a bunch of players that have been all conference, all region. They've received a ton of honors. What's your philosophy? You know, and, and I know you want to give as much credit as possible to the players, but just specifically for you, what is your coaching philosophy and how have you really been able to help them reach their full potential? 
we are in a position to do great things at Queens College from a facility standpoint. We have outstanding indoor and, and outdoor uh, facilities. Um, it doesn't stop there, though. You have to get players who really are motivated to be the best they can be. And I know that it's thrown around a lot. You, you got to do this. You got to do that. And um, we're an NCAA program, so we are restricted from a uh, our standpoint, you know, in terms of what we can actually spend with the players, right? Uh, this is not a pro, uh, you know, professional organization where we are able to do things with the players at our... This space was downloaded via spacesdown.com. Visit to download your spaces today. Whenever we choose to. So we have to get guys who are hungry, who have that desire, who want to be the best they can be. Because when we're working out with the team for two, three hours a day, uh, remember, our rosters are going to be 30, 35 guys. So you get the best – you recruit the best players you possibly can. Um, you can look at the measurables when you recruit players. You can uh, talk to the coaches of the players that you you know recruit where you're recruiting them from. Um, there's a lot of – there's a lot of unknowns, you know, there's a lot of unknowns and you hope that when you get these players on campus and, and, you know, you, you can put them in position, uh, the coaching staff will, you know, do all they can do, but you hope that these kids are going to go out there and work their butts off on their own too, you know, and, and do things that not only, uh, we're providing for them, but do things on their own as well. And, when you have that combination of go-getter, kid with desire, kid that wants to be the best he can be, uh, great skill set, you're going to get all Americans. You're going to get all region-type players. You're going to get all conference-type players. And if the more of those players you have, obviously the better the team's going to do. Man, I got to tell you, Queens College just sounds like a place to me. If you have the opportunity, you've got the skill set, you got the grades, uh, it just sounds like a place as a prospect that you would have a real opportunity to flourish. I mean, this is this is really exciting stuff, man. I am enjoying this evening so much. And again, thank you for joining us, Coach Reardon. L- let me ask you something. You, hey, you went through your description after you graduated. You were talking about some of the stints that you had you coached at before you got back to Queens College, and one was obviously St. John's. And I just kind of want to get a feel from you. You know, what's the difference between D1 and D2, you know, in, in regards to, you know, how, how you're really just developing the guys that are on, on the field with you and so forth? Well, it's a, it's a from a financial standpoint, there's a, a difference. Um, you're going to have a little bit more financial backing uh, at the Division One level. Of course, there's, you know, D- D2 teams that are going to have the same financial backing as some of the Division One backings. At least from my experience, when I was at St. John's, you're going to have more physical players. Um, there's a lot of times where I didn't, or the coach, the head coaches or the assistant coaches didn't have to say anything, and these guys were out there working. Um, I think... When you get to that level, I think the guys are really um, mo- more self-motivated. They kind of see that carrot there. They're, they're reaching for it. They're working for it. They want to get to that next level. Um, when you start getting those players at the D2 level, you're going to start to do special things. And that's the key. We, got, we had to get players like that that wanted to play at the next level. And 
when it, when I tell you about '98, we had three players drafted by major league teams. But there was no, there's, it's not a coincidence that the team had its best year ever, won its championship. I mean, so when you get those types of players that want to play at the next level and have that desire to work as hard as they can, um, then you know you're, you know, you're going to start to to make some moves. Absolutely, and I can't wait to. Uh... We're, we're going to get into recruiting here in just the next few minutes because I, I know our core audience is primarily uncommitted high school, junior college, transfer type players. And, and, and they're looking for the opportunity to really be heard, be seen, and have an opportunity just to kind of move on to the next level. So I know they're absolutely going to be interested in what does it take to really be recruited as well. And I can't wait to start talking about that. But before we get to it, you know, you know, one of the things that I, I, I kind of want to just keep thinking about, you know, you and specifically how you've continued to uh, develop your own coaching style. And I want to think back to when you were, you know, in that 98 season, you know, you were surrounded with, with major league talent. You were surrounded with just big time talent, had the best season that Queens had really had up until you became the coach in the last couple of years. But how did that, while you were a player there, how do you think that's kind of helped develop who you are now as a coach? It really, my stop before that helped me really look at how I the things that the, the things that how I wanted to start to mold myself, which was my time at New Mexico Junior College with Ray Birmingham. Um, he ultimately went on to become the head coach at the University of New Mexico for many years, and and he just is a legend in New Mexico uh, baseball, and just even just in overall. I mean, outside of baseball, he does so many great things as well. Um, you, like I said, I had the coaching book before I went to college. I knew that I wanted to coach, and so I became a sponge. I just I just started to absorb everything, and I would listen to the coaches. Um, and just how they address the team. And I would go home and practice. Hey, I want this is how I'm going to talk. This is how I'm going to, what I'm going to say to these guys. This is how I'm going to coach. I'm going to, you know, so you, you, I just became a sponge. And then when I went to Queens and, and played for Ed Tatarian, uh, he, his son had played uh, minor league baseball. He had, he had played minor league baseball, the coach at Tatarian. He was a, uh, he's a legend in New York city, high school legend, college legend, uh, great, person to be around and then when i got the volunteer assistant job at st john's i was a sponge ed blankmeyer division one legendary coach so these these guys i was paying close attention to them i was i was really tuned into what they were saying how they would react to situations not only on the field but off the field you know what what they would say to guys if they didn't uh do what they were supposed to do how they were held accountable i was young i, ne- I needed to know all these things i had to pay attention um and i did and that's really the way I started to mold my coaching style. And then I think as coaches, we evolve every year. Um, and we're able to get so many things now. There's so many resources at our fingertips to become better coaches. Uh, being, you know, being, being a member of the ABCA, uh, the videos that we get sent routinely, um, things to, that we can watch to, to hone in, you know, to make our skills better uh, for, for being coaches, seminars, clinics that we can go to. So, and, and the players, honestly, the players have the most impact on you as a person, right? They're going to give you the best feedback. They're going to be the best judge of your character and your personality. And if you listen to your players, you'll find your way. You'll, you'll find out who, 
who you need to be to be successful. I hear you, man. I have no doubt that you're a player's coach. And I got to tell you, man, I get, I just give you a ton of credit and congratulations. And, uh, hey, you knew early on in your playing career that you ultimately wanted to be a coach. And you just took advantage of it. And I, I love the way you were just describing I was a sponge. You know, every stop, every stop that you made, you were absorbing as much information as you could because ultimately one day you wanted to have the opportunity to put that into practice and, and to take advantage of it and take the skills and the, the knowledge that you had learned from various people and be able to apply it and, and for it to fit your personality and ultimately to fit the program, you know, at Queens College. And man, I just give you just a ton, a ton of credit. You're very, very fortunate to, to know early on in life what it is that you ultimately wanted to be able to do and then to be able to go out and do it. Man, that's big time stuff. Really, honestly, very, very happy for you and, and, and thrilled for the success that the school is having as well. I mean, that's, you know, it's an absolute reflection of you, man. It's big time stuff. Thank you, Alan. I appreciate no that. No question. And hey, again, everyone that's jumping on, thank you so much. We do appreciate the support. And I mentioned earlier that we record this space so that we can retweet it out. Well, guess what? We also record it because we turn it into a podcast. And that podcast is Now D1 Speaks. And really our core audience, honestly, are co uh, college coaches. And our core guests are uncommitted prospects. And I think Coach Reardon absolutely hit on it just a little bit earlier. He was talking about, you know what, we, we know when guys can play baseball. We know when they're big, they're fast, they're strong. We go and watch them. We can see the skill set. But, you know, there's always that the, the untangibles that we're not 100% sure about. You know, when they get on campus, how are they going to be and how are they going to act? And our podcast has kind of filled that role in a great, in a, you know, a, a perfect little niche. It gives – uncommitted prospects the opportunity to say hey let me let me tell you what i'm doing when i'm not on the field i'm going to talk to you about how i treat my coaches how i treat my friends what kind of teammate am i how do i work out in the classroom what kind of classes am i taking what's my gpa what do i want to major in you know and it, it just starts giving you this sense of a really well-rounded person that is taking on the responsibility that when they show up at college they can take care of their business and they can really give coach Reardon as an example, an opportunity to focus on developing them as ball players. Cause they're not worried about them when they're not on the ball field. They know they're, they're mature enough to kind of handle their own business. So that's, I tell you what, really, really happy tonight that we got coach Reardon on. I think he's representing a fantastic school. He's got a fantastic career. I mean, he's just putting down a track record. And, you know, one of the things that I really want to go ahead and jump into, honestly, is recruiting. You know, I think that uh, anybody that's listening to this show that's not committed, one of the, their anxieties are, how do I get on a coach's radar? And I'm sitting here thinking about, you know, for Coach Rear, and he just brought in 20 new guys, right? Well, how did those 20 guys come to, to, to get the attention of Queens College? So kind of with that in mind, what does a player really need to do to say, hey, come check me out? And then what are maybe a couple of red flags that if you have an opportunity, you could go ahead and clean up? Well, the players need to, co to contact the coaches. Um, we will go out, obviously, on our own and, and see teams play. 
but I can tell you this past year, myself and my coaching staff made visits to junior colleges. We went up there, you know, we went out to certain junior colleges, watched them work out. Um, we, we got out and a lot of it is initiated by the, uh, player, um, or even the coaches of the player, but we're going to, we're going to respond. And if we have a need and that, that will follow up on that need. We have players from, we have, a, we have players from Texas this year. We have players from California. Um, we have a player from Arizona on our team. Um, we didn't fly to those places. So in those cases, you are relying on contacts. You are relying on video and contacts. So the contacts are the coaches and sometimes even the summer coaches of those players and a lot of video, but anything within our area, within our tri-state area, we will go and see the players play. So even if they're recommended to us, we will go and see the players play. Um, but the best way is obviously to contact the coach directly and the coach should respond. They don't always respond the, the day of the, te- the day of the email or even a week later. Um, I would hope, within a certain amount of time, there's some contact, some return contact. Uh, we do get a lot of emails, okay, from recruiting services where if you're going to respond, it goes to a recruiting service email. And I would say with contacts I get from those types of, uh, those types of contacts I get, I am less likely to respond to. I will look at the email and I'll, look, I'll try to look at the player, but I'm going to respond to personal emails. And that's pretty much, that's what I believe is the best way to contact college coaches. I think that's fantastic advice. I got to tell you, the very first, and, and just so that you know, uh, coach, I think if I'm not mistaken, I think this is actually our 75th episode. And uh, we, we generally kind of put this podcast together four nights a week. So we've been doing this, I don't know, probably since early April, something along those lines. And um, at the very, it's, it, it was kind of funny. The very first prospect that we ever had on, he was uncommitted. He was a class of 24 and he just came back on last week because he committed and it was you know and it was a big celebration and really wanted to have an opportunity to celebrate what he did and i asked him to walk through his recruiting process and i got to tell you coach reardon he did not go through a recruiting service he took everything on himself and he and what he did was the the first thing he started really looking at was the environment of the school. What, what kind of school could I really go to and feel comfortable? If I, if quite honestly, if I wasn't playing baseball and I was just a student, where would I go? Do they have the major that I want? Is it the size of the enrollment that I enjoy? Is it the distance from my house? You know, that kind of thing. He started just narrowing it down. Then he really started looking at the team and the roster and, and who made up the roster and, and who the coach was and so forth. And if he could really fit in, if it made a difference. And then he actually had things to talk about when he sent the emails out and started reaching out to coaches directly and saying, hey, this is who I am and this is where I see myself fitting in. And this is why I'm contacting you, because these are the things that I'd like to be able to do. And I think that there's a good fit here. And, you know, he just... He, you know, and he got a lot of no's, certainly, and he got some no replies, you know, and that's just going to happen, you know, as you pointed out, not, you can't always reply. 
And, uh, but he didn't let any of that really deject him. He just kind of kept working through that process. And then by doing so, coaches started inviting him either to a prospect camp or they wanted to know what his schedule was and they had an opportunity to go out and watch him over the summer. And then a conversation started. And then the next thing you know, he, he's getting offers. And I, I love that you're just affirming really the hard work and effort that that particular recruit put into place and then kind of saw it come to fruition. I think you're just absolutely nailing probably what truly honestly works. Well, well, and Alan, what you said is 100% dead on, and it even makes it the coach more excited when the recruit knows something about the program and puts it in his email and, and personalizes it. And uh, that goes a long way. A lot of times we don't get those types of emails. We just get generic emails where it could be sent out to any coach in America. So knowing history, doing your homework, uh, researching rosters, researching past performances, understanding that the first thing that you should be looking at is, does that school have my major? Does that school offer something where I'm going to be able to commit to that school for four years? And if plan A doesn't work out with baseball, then I have plan B in my education and I'm going to be able to graduate and do something I want to do. And even a step more, Alan, multiple have multiple things that you're interested in potentially because there's a lot of student athletes that go to college and they're going to end up changing their major so uh it's important that you go to a school that is going to offer you even more opportunities uh academically um these are such important points because there are Let's face it, not just athletes, but parents, right? They just push, hey, I want my kid to play at this level. I want my kid to play in this conference. Yeah. I don't care what they study. <laughs> I just want my, my son or daughter to be be in this kind of environment. And that is not really the best way to go about things. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, and I can relate to that as well because, I mean, hey, I had a son that went through the exact same process. And I, I know what it was that I really wanted for him. And guess what? That's not the direction it ended up going. And all I can say is, thank the Lord, it didn't go the way I wanted it to go because it ended up being a perfect route the way he ended up going. So I hear you 100%. Hey, uh, let, let's keep talking about the current landscape of recruiting. I mean, it's changed. I mean, obviously, you know, last year the, the contact rule came out for Division One, and that kind of, you know, in some cases, maybe it threw up big red flags. I don't know. Probably in reality, it was a really, really good move. And it probably gives kids, kids, you know, eighth, ninth graders and so forth, an opportunity to really just keep developing, you know, make sure you're getting your schoolwork done, make sure you're just getting bigger, stronger, better, and not so much worrying about, hey, I've committed as an eighth grader. So I think in reality, it was probably a lot of good stuff, but it, it threw up a big red flag or not a red flag, but just a, a new wave with the, the, the D1 contact period. And then the second piece over the last couple of years, man, the transfer portal has absolutely changed the game. And so just, you know, from your perspective, I mean, just kind of give us a feel of, of how Queens College is really looking at the recruiting landscape as we see it today. 
Well, we're not going to recruit. Like, I'll give you an example. We're recruiting 24s now, right? Some 25s, but not many. Um, so that's a year and a half out. We're not recruiting three years, four years out. That's going to be the D1s that are going to be doing that. Um, that's a tough job to have. And I don't envy those guys that have to look at a ninth grader and evaluate them and figure out, hey, is this guy going to be helpful uh, to our program in five years? That's That that to me is nuts. And I'm glad I don't have to do that. Um so when I see 2027, like when I get recruiting stuff and it's like a 2026 and it, and it has to, the label next to it uncommitted, I'm, I just cringe. I, I mean, you know, I, I would hope they're uncommitted. Why would a kid? Well, and I dealt with these types of kids. When I do summer stuff, I dealt with ACC, SEC type players. So I know like how, how, how crazy some of these, some of this recruiting goes. Um, for these schools and I don't for the life of me like these kids committing in eighth ninth grade like guys you have so much time ahead of you you don't even know if the coach is going to be there right and that that presents a whole nother problem uh, with movement you know when the coach leaves of course the players should be allowed to leave right the coach the coach left so I get that completely I'm not I'm not uh, saying that's wrong but now with the transfer portal um, again, I'm not against kids. Hey, if it's not there, if it's not a great opportunity for you and you're not playing, go somewhere where you're going to play. Find that opportunity. The problem is finding that opportunity. It's no sure shot. It's no sure bet. It's becoming harder because there's a lot of players moving and there's a lot of, there's a lot of moving pieces with recruiting. So I'll give you an example at our level. We're in a position where we're not going to jump on 24s as quickly as we have in the past because we know later on down the road, uh, come the summertime, there's going to be some more impactful, more physical, older, mature type players available. And that stinks for these high school kids. And, and, but the only thing I can tell the high school kids, work your butts off. Work your butts off because there are programs out there that still want high school kids. And, and, and we are certainly one of those programs. We, will, we have gone into the transfer portal. We, we have not gone crazy in the transfer portal. We have plucked out a couple of uh, impactful players. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you, last year, one of our most impactful players was a D1 transfer. He was a hitter. And he hit three home runs in our conference championship doubleheader. And, heck, yeah, we needed him. Um, but there's still plenty of room for the high school student, but they got to be physically developed. They got to hit the weight room. They got to work out. They got to get stronger. They don't have to be muscle heads, but they got to just be, they got to be physically stronger, right? 5'10", 160, that's a tough sell now. That's a tough sell. It used to be 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Hey, we're looking at those guys right at, at our level, at the D2 level. Um, not so much anymore. We're getting more physical kids. We're getting kids that are coming into our school at 185, 190. So the landscape has completely changed. Hey, I appreciate your candor so much. And I couldn't – I mean, I'm seeing it. There's no question I see it. Colleges – aren't recruiting projection as much as they are resume now. And, and I, I think it's just common sense. I know if I was a coach, that's what I would be looking for. And without, you know, maybe putting you a little bit on the spot, hey, you brought in 20 kids last year. I mean, were the majority of those kids, do you think they were, re were they really like transfer or junior college or 
the majority of them were they were they high school? Were they twenty threes? Uh, there was more high school kids in this class than any other group. So there was a good. There was five, I believe, five or six junior college transfers. That we do have a couple of, uh, and you know, Division One. We have a couple of Division One and and a, I think one Division Two transfer. Um, but the majority then were high school uh, players. You know, coming to us. Um, it's a balanced. It's a balanced class. And that's what I like about it. It's a balanced class. It's not heavy in one area. Uh, we needed to add pitching depth. We, we that's the primary uh, position uh, that we address the pitching. Um, and you know, teams every year obviously are going to need pitching. So bringing in pitchers is really not uh, a big deal. You know, you can have 15, 20 pitchers on your roster. Um, unfortunately, nowadays it just seems like guys are going to go down during the course of the year with something right so you need that you want to have depth in the pitching department um i already told you last year we had heroic efforts from our pitching staff to win us a conference championship game and while that's a great story it's not ideal you know you want to have more depth uh at the back end of of the those games in the season Hey, Coach, man, I got to tell you, I have enjoyed this evening so much. I mean, you are just uh, – you're, you're a true joy to listen to. Probably people – hey, we probably make a good combination. You know, I got a little bit of a southern accent. You got a little bit of a northern accent. People, you know, probably think we're Mutt and Jeff or something like that. But I have, I have <laughs> absolutely enjoyed getting to know you and talk to you and just – man, I can only imagine – as a father, man, I'd be so excited to have my son have the opportunity to talk to you about potentially spending the next three or four years uh, under your guidance. I mean, you're just a top quality person, man. I have really enjoyed this evening. I hope you've gotten something out of it as well. Alan, thank you so much. Uh, I don't do things like this often, and I'm just really, uh, you know, thankful that you, you know, you reached out to me and, and that I'm doing this with you. Uh, I'm glad that if I could help any kids in any way with advice, I hope that that, you know, is uh, this was purposeful for that. And, uh, you know, I, if you follow the program, um, we expect big things this year. We're going to give our all. Uh, it's a great location. I think a lot of out-of-staters now are realizing that, and we're starting to benefit from um, getting players from out-of-state, so that's a, that's a real positive. But it's a great academic school. It's financially uh, reasonable, and uh, it has over 100 majors. So Queens College could be a, a great spot for you know an incoming uh, student-athlete. Man, I love it. I was going to ask you, but that's such a great way to end the, the conversation, but I'm still going to ask you, if you were going to give – Hey, if you were going to give some advice to younger kids, not kids that are ready to be recruited, you know, we mentioned earlier, like, gosh, I'd hate to be in a situation where I was trying to recruit an eighth or ninth grader. If you were going to give some advice to kids that are getting ready to enter high school and they just, they're good at baseball and they enjoy baseball and they just want to be good for as long as they can be good. What kind of advice would you give them? Keep doing what you're doing. If 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 you if you have that passion and you've developed you know that love for the game, uh, don't change anything. I mean, and it's a lot of it. Unfortunately, Alan, is the people around them that impact them, and it, you know what 
direct. Like, look, how many seventh and eighth graders can drive themselves to a game? So it, it, it's really that it comes down to the parents and talking to them. But uh, look, it's very tough to talk to parents sometimes with the with the young kids. And and um, I have young kids, and you know, it's it, uh, we want the best for our kids, right? We want our kids to have the best experience possible. This generation, they have more opportunities to do things that are organized previous generations things were different we went out and played we went out with our friends it was different it's it, it it's not better or worse now it's just different that's all it's just different things are more structured and organized but when i drive by a park and i see a group of kids outside playing and there's no parents around i smile i smile man that that to me is just that's what it's all about man what an awesome night again thank you so much coach weird man i can't wait for us just to stay in contact i'd love to be able to reach out to you you know sometime next year and see if we couldn't plan for another visit man you're just fantastic i absolutely enjoyed this evening alan much appreciated thank you so much for having me and uh i wish you all the best with the with the podcast and and just uh platform you're providing for coaches and and you know student athletes is uh this is real a a great thing that you're doing so thank you so much thank you for the kind words and uh we're going to end it here for this evening again everyone thank you so much for joining and i will be back at this thing on monday night so thank you very much and good night hey let me ask you something are you ready to dominate at the plate this season blast baseball is the number one hitting improvement solution trusted by more major league, college, and travel ball teams than any other. The blast sensor attaches to the knob of any bat, providing real-time feedback with every swing. Metrics are automatically sent to a smartphone app, generating insights that allow you to analyze and improve your hitting like never before. Go to blastmotion.com and enter code NOWD1 and you will save $25 at checkout. Unlock your potential with Blast.